0: In the Wild West world of podcasting, there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality. Based on a passion for his guests, their work, and his love of podcasting, Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast get amazing, diverse, unique guests found nowhere else. They include Hall of Fame athletes, Academy Award winners, Golden Globe winners, Super Bowl champions, Emmy winners, award-winning authors, award-winning film score composers, directors, trailblazers, pioneers, and inventors, the variety and Quality are endless. There is something for everyone. Derek Thomas is the hero you deserve. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. Here is Derek Thomas. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. I am indeed Derek Thomas. This is episode 224. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy lives to listen to my podcast. It is greatly appreciated. Today's guest is Bob Wells. Bob has an enormous part in the movie Nomadland. Nomadland is fresh off six Academy Award nominations and Best Picture in the Golden Globes. It has a full head of steam and I am dying to see how the Academy Awards play out next month. Very excited. Um, Just want to give a few shout outs here. Um... Really happy for Stephen Yen, who was the is the first Asian American actor that was nominated for a lead actor role. I am so happy for him. I have met him at multiple Comic Cons. Uh, I have so much happiness in my heart for this man right now. Uh, history in the making. Love watching this. I also wanted to give kudos finally to people recognizing Paul Racy who was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in the Academy Awards. Paul Racy is a guest of the Monday Morning Critic. I think he was on a month ago. Uh, just down to earth. Love talking to him. Could have talked to him forever. Uh, Vietnam veteran. Great guy. Uh, I believe it's episode 212 if you want to listen to that. Uh, really enjoyed listening to and interviewing Paul Racy. I'm, I'm pulling for him. I'm really, really pulling for Paul Racey. Um, I felt he was ignored in some of the other award shows, But super stoked. He finally got his recognition on the big one, the Academy Awards. So Paul Racy, Best Supporting Actor, uh, and Sound of Metal in general, getting a lot of love, well-deserved love by the Academy. Also wanted to say how excited I am. I have a few guests coming up, um, especially my next one, that has taken a long time to... um, Book and schedule, um, because I mean, actors have busy lives. I mean, they're filming many projects. It's 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 a very difficult schedule to lead. Um, Knock on wood. I'm not saying any names. I just hope it comes to fruition. Um, I am super excited about uh, 225. Um, If 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 it comes through, and I think it will, um, cannot begin to tell you how happy I am for this. And uh, uh, the enthusiasm is coming out of my pores at this point. Like I'm just. It's taken me two or three years to make this come come to fruition, as I mentioned, and um, knock on wood, I'm not going to mention um, any names. I just hope it happens, and if it does, um, I promise you one hell of an interview. You have that guarantee uh, for me. But before I talk about next guest, I probably should be talking about my current guest, the one-of-a-kind. Uh, they broke the mold when they made him so authentic, so genuine, the real deal, and he's a non-actor. And if you see *Nomadland*, there's no way you aren't blown away by his performance. You would never guess that Bob Wells is a non-actor. You would never guess that. Um, and we're gonna get to Bob in one second. I did want to give some recognition to Chloe Zhao who is the first Chinese woman and first woman of color nominated for Best Director. Huge achievements there, obviously. Groundbreaking History being made at the Academy Awards on many levels here. So wonderful to see. Um, so cool to be in a, in a time period where we're living through this um, history. I just love it. Um, I did want to say she is marvelous. Um, Chloe Zhao's strength is making authentic and genuine films. So, yes, you can go through and you can check off. You know, cinematography is beautiful. Sound is beautiful. The composition of music is beautiful. The writing is fantastic. It checks all the boxes, Nomadland. But where Chloe Zhao really flourishes, uh, Chloe Zhao flourishes when you talk about authentic and genuine, the, the words I use to describe Bob, Chloe Zhao often uses non-actors in acting roles, and it gives movies this authentic, this genuine experience to it, and no different than with Bob Wells. Um, uh, Fern, who's played by Francis McDormand, one of the best actors alive, Um It makes a reference in the movie that Bob looks like Santa Claus. And um, jokingly, they've developed this rapport and this bond. And it is so powerful and so moving. I'm going to play you a little clip. Before I play you the clip, I mean, you can't see this. But when you watch it, if you listen to this podcast, before you watch the movie, you'll appreciate it even more. Um, Bob and um, Fern, Frances McDormand, are sharing a scene. And they're talking about uh, Fern has lost her husband. Uh, Bob's son in real life has has taken his life, and this is the first time he's opening up about it. And the authenticity here. And when they're done with this scene, I'll never forget this. Like there's certain scenes in movies I'll never forget. I'll never forget the look on Frances McDormand's face when Bob is done with his spe- with his scene and the speaking parts. Like it's like she knows he just absolutely rocked that scene and blew her away. You can just see it on Frances McDormand's face. You can see it. And I'll never forget that look in her eyes after Bob was done. It's it's, it's towards the end of the movie, but I would like to play you that clip really quick, and then we'll get right into the interview.
1: I, I rarely ever talk about my son, but uh, today would be today would be his thirty third birthday, and five years ago he took his life. And I can still barely say that in a sentence. And, and for a long time, every day was, uh, <clears throat> the question was, how can I be alive on this earth when he's not? And I didn't have an answer. And those were some hard, hard days. But I realized that I could honor him by uh, helping people and serving people. It gives me a reason to go through the day. (laughs) Some days that's all I've got. And out here, there's a lot of people our age, and inevitably there's grief and loss. And a lot of them don't get over it either. And that's okay. That's okay. One of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. You know, I've met hundreds of people out here, and I don't ever say a final goodbye. I always just say, I'll, I'll see you down the road. And I do. And uh, whether it's a month or a year or sometimes years, I see them again. And I can look down the road and I can be certain in my heart that I'll see my son again. You'll see Bo again. And you can remember your lives together then.
0: absolutely breathtaking scene uh, you would never know that bob has never acted before just absolutely phenomenal i don't think he is acting i think he's coming from the heart he's coming from his soul um beautiful scene beautiful moment beautiful movie um currently available on hulu you cannot go into the academy awards not having seen nomadland you have to see it it's must see must see for sure um just beautiful um If you're looking to get a hold of me on Facebook, it's Monday Morning Critic Podcast. On Instagram, it's Monday Morning Critic. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know how to find me. It's available everywhere, social media everywhere. Um, Please feel free to reach out. My email is at gmail.com. That being said, I bring you the great and one-of-a-kind Bob Wells. You may know my next guest from Cheap RV Living and his absolutely phenomenal performance in Nomadland. Please welcome the legendary Bob Wells. Bob, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Uh, Bob, and I, I, I think um, yeah, and I think a lot of your story, Bob, I think a lot of it starts in, in people that, you know, haven't seen this wonderful movie yet. You, you've lived a very detailed, a very, you know, deep life. Um, you're from Alaska. Um, talk about just for those listening, growing up and about your life in Alaska early on. What was that like for you? What are the, some of the memories you carry with you? Um, just talk a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind. Cold and dark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh,
1: I just had an average life. It was uh, outdoors. It was uh, Anchorage was, uh, I grew up in Anchorage, and it was a very different place then. You know, it was very small. Um, well, it was a different time. And, uh, you know, no one had locked doors, and we all, everyone went outside and played. And it was just, uh, <laughs> I think it was pretty typical. Uh, childhood for he for the sixties. It it seems like
0: it. Yeah, and then you and then you, Bob, you end up starting what is essentially um, cheap RV living. And, and, and <laughs> uh, um, for, for those that um, are listening and aren't familiar with this, and just kind of came into the movie without knowing a background. Is there a way you could just summarize that? I know some of these questions you've probably been asked a multitude of times. Um, Is there a way you could summarize it for those listening, what it is and and what it functions as?
1: Uh, Cheap Barbie living. Uh, Yeah. It's a means to get uh, to communicate to people that they have a choice, that if they are at the end of their rope uh, financially, that there is another option for them. And that for some people who are not at the end of their rope, but who are still, you know, finances aren't an issue at all. There is still an option. There is another way to live there. You don't have to blindly
0: follow the American dream. Yeah, that's, that's really well said, Bob. And, and I know you, for those listening, you've given out many instructional videos. You put together a lot of that. And, and I don't mean to be over the top here, Bob, but I feel like in a lot of ways and, and I feel like you're a bit of a therapist as well, a bit of a head of a family too. I feel like you are the guiding light to a lot of these people that are either getting into this for the first time, or are dealing with serious issues, whether it's family or friendship or whatever. Um, am I being over the top, Bob, by, 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 by implying that you're, you're a bit of a therapist and a bit of a father figure to many of these people?
1: I'm not sure about father figure, but therapist perhaps. There are a lot of people well, I, I, consider, um, I consider one of my primary jobs to provide hope uh, for people who are in a very dark place. And so perhaps that's therapy perhaps uh, in a world of uh, confusion and darkness to be offered a ray of light is therapy in a roundabout way.
0: Yeah. And and I, and I get the sense that people are grateful for you being around. I get the, I get the sense from just watching the movie or watching many of your videos that people are appreciative of your company and that has to feel good from a human being point of view.
1: Very much so. Yeah. That's uh, also one of the, my primary personal primary goals in life is to leave my every encounter with every other person them feeling better about themselves. Um, that's something I personally strive for, whether it's in media or in in my every action.
0: Yeah, and, and you're absolutely terrific in, you know, Nomadland. And, and I don't want to call it a performance because a lot of it is coming from your actual experiences, you know, in your life. So to call it a performance is a bit of an under under, word. I, um, I don't know. I, I've, been in, I've seen movies, Bob, for, for a long time. I've been immersed in movies. It, it's one of the best um, roles on camera I've ever seen, and, and you are absolutely amazing in it.
1: Well, you were very kind.
0: Um, you know, and, and I'm trying to wrap my head around the whole experience of van living and RV living. On one hand, I feel there's a lot of freedom attached to it, Bob. There's friendship. It's so beautiful. But I also feel like there's a bit of sadness and loneliness and pain associated with it. And I, I feel like it's not either one. I feel like it could be both, you know, um, and, and life in a stationary home could be the same thing. Uh, is that a, a, a healthy way of looking at it, um, that it could be each group of those things? It could be this loneliness and sadness, but it's also beautiful and um, it, it's a it's a wonderful form of just escape and living your life, To I don't know. Am I looking at that properly? Well, it's a big group it's a big tent and there are a lot
1: of groups in the tent. So if, if you're 35 years old, uh, your, your reaction response to living van living is going to be very, very different than if you are, uh, 65 or 75 or 85. So, uh, you know, it would be, if you want to, we'd have to break it down further, but so for, for many of the older folks, which is what you're seeing, of course, on the film, um, Well, you see the young guy. If you've seen the movie, there's the young guy that Mm -hmm. she runs into. His experience isn't completely different than her experience. And so it would be very hard to generalize and say, this is the way it works for all of us. For, yes, for us who are older, there is, um, there is, I think there's a sadness at a wasted life and there's joy at a great future Um, it is a, it is a real jumble of emotions, but when you're 30, then, uh, it's just excitement for this wonderful new life you found.
0: Now that's beautifully said. And one of the things I think you've said it, and I totally agree with this is we, in life, we all work. And at the end of our, our careers, our jobs, in a sense, we're kind of put out to pasture, right? I can't tell you, Bob, how many times I've seen somebody that works towards retirement and they get to retirement. And they maybe live three months after that and pass a year after that and pass. I am so on board with that statement about, you know, and, th- and this is part of the van living and the RV living that I really appreciate because you're never getting sold short. You you, you are living your dream. You are out there and doing it. And from that point of view, I, I can absolutely see where you're coming from. Well, Remember the movie is set in 11 and 12, 2011 and 12. Right. And at that, what was going, and of course it wasn't shot then,
1: but that's when the movie was set And in the real life in 2011-12, there were all these corporations who were declaring bankruptcy and going to bankruptcy court and saying, we can't pay pensions anymore. And the court said, oh, that's so, you're so right. You don't have to pay pensions anymore. And so millions of Americans just suddenly lost their pensions, their whole lifetime. Um, And, of course, since then, pensions have virtually disappeared. The unions, with the the death of the unions, has come the death of pensions. And so... um, yeah, it was a very topical thing, but it's also the reality for way too many Americans. I, My audience, the older part of my audience, which is primarily the largest part, is going to be mostly uh, seniors on Social Security or younger people working two jobs, and they can't pay rent. They can't live on two jobs, and they certainly can't rent on their Social Security. And so um, they all of a sudden find... Um, that they've been left out to pasture and with no hope. Mm. So that's uh, that's kind of a that's kind of the theme
0: of all I do and the theme of the of the movie. Yeah, she was, was left out. Yeah, there's a book that you've brought up on occasion. It's called *Animate Earth*. Bob, why is that book so meaningful to you? I'm I, I'm a very spiritual person, very non-religious. I,
1: I have pretty much utter total contempt for all religions. Um, but I, I think of myself as a very spiritual person and a searcher and open person. And so uh, to my mind, uh, the way I lean is towards uh, Earth-based religions. And so Animate Earth is it has a real appeal to it because it's based on the Gaia theory. man right. named Junk, James Lovelock, came out with the Gaia theory in the 70s. Um, I won't go into all the details, but... Uh, it's pure, hard science, and the science of it is inescapable and been accepted. Uh, the basic science of it is that in the – oh, it just did it'd be a long time, and you probably don't want me to go into it. No, whatever you want to uh, say, Bob, this is – whatever you want to say, I'll, I'll listen. Okay. Well, the science of it is uh, life started on Earth 3.2 billion years ago in that ballpark, and, uh, and of course, you had the, uh, the, the sun – Mm-hmm. And uh, but the sun it was a young sun, and actually, if you Google this "young sun" young sun problem, the the uh, the sun wasn't putting out enough heat to allow life on Earth three point two billion years ago, mm-hmm. and had it has increased by about thirty percent since then. That's what that's what all stars do. Right. In, in another 4 billion years, uh, it'll swallow the Earth up. It'll put out so much heat that we'll just, it'll just vaporize. Uh, that's the way uh, stars work. And so the question is, how over this course of these 3 billion years has life remained on Earth? Life can only live in a very narrow range of temperatures. Can't be too hot, can't be too cold. How has life on Earth lived through a 30% increase in the heat output of the sun? And the answer is there's is no possibility. It's impossible. Well, a man, this man named James Lovelock was a scientist who studied that. And he came up with a theory that the Earth is self-regulating. Um, it, uh, it has feedback loops uh, that self-regulates the temperature of the Earth. And, and today's Earth science is all about understanding the self-regulating acts of the Earth. The problem with that is, it is a simple fact that only living organisms are self-regulated. So then you have the problem that the earth is, and it, it is, there's no question about this. Science doesn't debate this. It's self-regulated. It maintains its equilibrium by doing a lot of different things. Um, and so to me, it was a convincing argument that the earth is a living organism. Um, and on a, as on a spiritual basis and then since then i've done a lot of studying of quantum mechanics and physics and there is no question that the that the entire universe is a conscious universe the quest the question was the assumption was always that consciousness arises from matter and that doesn't fit with today's quantum physics uh, quantum physics almost demands that uh matter arises from consciousness so these are these are these are my hobbies i guess Mm -hmm. um but once you have seen how the earth is self-regulating you see how that with mankind in about 200 years pours all this carbon into the system the system fails so it is absolutely convincing to me um on two levels both first on this personally on the spiritual level no scientists or the salt would ever agree with that uh, because it implies um, purpose and meaning and that isn't allowed in in a mechanical universe um, but it also it, it makes plain the importance of climate change it makes it an absolute fact that we are headed for catastrophic times um, very soon and we're seeing them today mm-hmm. the wildfires, the hurricanes the uh, The Gulf Coast, Louisiana Gulf Coast was hit with five major storms all right in a row Uh, all of all the fires, all the floods, all the extreme cold. Um, It's just the very, very, very beginning of what's coming. So the animate Earth had to these two enormous impacts on me and turned me into a pretty radical um, environmentalist and um, and and really formed my, my spiritual viewpoint.
0: That's, that's beautifully said, Bob. And I have to say, you know, I mean, people have to start thinking, I mean, people are beating to earth the earth to hell in many regards and they're not thinking about what they're going to leave behind. And it's a very selfish, and I'm not going to get too political, but it's a very selfish um, point of view to think that way. I mean, to think that the earth can take this pounding for years and years and years, and then to have somebody deny that that exists to me, is 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 puzzling to say the least. Puzzling to well, say. Well, it's
1: bigger than it's the, the decision that they're smarter than all the scientists on the planet. You know, it is it's a universally accepted fact in science, and there are a few weird crackpots who are usually being paid to deny it. But at the same time, that attitude of "I'm smart, we are smarter than the scientists because they're all liars and fools." Uh, also sets us up for people who will run around and not wear masks and get vaccinated. Mm. So uh, the two go together, this whole, I hate science. I'm not going to live by the science. Um, it just doesn't make sense. And it's going to end very, very, very badly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I compl- you and I are, 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 hand in hand with that. I, I completely agree. Uh, speaking of, of the earth uh, transitioning here a little bit, I thought you listed four States that were ideal, Bob, for van living and RV living. And, and I hope I have this correct. I think it was Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Wyoming. Am I right with that? Are those four kind of locations where, or, or is there more than just that? No, those are kind of the
1: secondary. They're the second tier. Gotcha. There's top, top three. And among RVers, there are three that are universally accepted as the best South Dakota, Texas and Florida and there are a number of reasons but they they really are and of those three South Dakota is by far the best they make it the easiest it's so easy to become a South Dakota resident Um, and so most I think the majority choose South Dakota and then there is the second tier uh, and I put Nevada at the top of that second tier I'm a Nevada resident but Tennessee is a good one Arizona is a good one Uh, Wyoming Montana are also good Um, but they're definitely second tier they're not, not
0: ideal. Yeah. I live in uh, Massachusetts. My mother and sister live in Carson city. So what a small, small world, I suppose, Bob. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. So, you know, I, I want to say that, and I would be mad at myself if I didn't say this, I mentioned how wonderful you are. I would be remiss if I didn't say how wonderful swanky Linda may and about many, many others were in this film. Um, I was stunned that you, that swanky and that Linda had no, acting background I could not for the life of me believe that to be true I could not Bob your and I'm going to sound like a wuss here your end scene had me in tears for seemingly endless amount of minutes um you you spoke from the heart you touched my heart um just a beautiful beautiful scene and some really other wonderful performances from some beautiful human beings Bob
1: yeah I agree wholeheartedly um uh, It really was. Uh, And I think I think a lot of uh, credit goes to Chloe because she created an atmosphere where uh, of honesty and integrity, where it was easy to to fall into just being your honest self because she was and everyone on the set was
0: it was just she created an atmosphere where it was easy for us. And I think it does have, you're right, it has that authenticity. And I feel like if actors were to play, you know, your role or Swank, your Linda May, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have sold me on the moon. It wouldn't have, you know, the fact that you guys are in it, it's authentic and it's genuine and it's real. And, and I totally agree with that. Uh, Chloe Zhao, great director, uh, wonderful human being, I'm guessing. Um, what was it like working with her?
1: She is, she's very authentic, very genuine. We weren't, uh, we were just Being ourselves, trying to create something amazing and wonderful together. And we all knew we had a very special story. Of course, we didn't know the story. The Mm -hmm. only story only existed in her head. And I had no idea what it was all going to be about until I actually saw it. Um, But we trusted her. And, um, And you could just feel it in her that I can trust this person and follow her. So I think that was the main thing.
0: Yeah, and, and that end scene that I mentioned, um, you know, Francis McDermott's a wonderful actor. I mean, she she just becomes this, like, I can't tell the difference if she's actually, a, a you know, a nomad. I mean, you can't tell. That's how good she is. Um, yeah. I have to say, though, and I know there's editing involved and so forth. Bob, I think in that end scene, when I look at her face, I, I really feel like she was blown away by your performance. I'm not going to speak for, for Francis. I don't know her. But I feel like she is a, one of the top shelf A-list actors. I mean, she, when that scene unfolded, I had to believe that she was blown away by, you know, what you just did. I mean, it, I hope I'm not speaking for her, but that's the impression that I got.
1: I, uh, I, I you know, I can't really say, but uh, yeah, I think there's a, there's a hopefully that's true. Uh, I can just say there's a lot that she didn't get, didn't get in. I mean, there's only a t- certain amount of time. Uh, but so we shot a lot more than made it in, and I w- listened to her a lot. And when she was um, when <laughs> when she was uh, telling her story, it was like, uh, and it made it. Uh, you hear this story from actors that a good actor uh, will make it easier for the other actor to be good, and then the, the other actor is good, and it makes it easier. You know that 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 going back and forth of creating something amazing. Um And I think, I think we experienced that because she took me to empire and I, I was there with her. I, I felt everything she felt. I, I saw it in her face, you know, like the old radio plays in the old days when you actually live that life. And, uh and so I think that, and then when she did her part and then I did my part. And I think I just fed on her, honesty and integrity uh and it made it uh so much easier for me so and i've heard that from actors before and i never understood it but now
0: i can actually a little bit understand it Uh, before i ask my next question is that cody yeah oh beautiful dog beautiful um uh so yeah i mean but, but i i'll turn that question around as well are you ever in that scene with her i mean i know you you mentioned that you fed off of what she gave you um, but are you ever pinching yourself, you know, saying, my God, I am in a scene right now with one of the best actors on the planet. Does that ever come to you or, or is that, does that ever come to your uh, realization? Nonstop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole time. If we were uh, it was we were there for about three days and the whole time. And I'm sure this is true for for virtually everyone in the um, that, that was there in the production. All of us, you know, average people. Here we are shooting, a, watching a, 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 a what we all thought would be an award-winning movie being shot. Yeah, and the set was, with, uh, with uh, Francis was just amazing, just
0: incomprehensible. Bob, I have a few more questions for you. Thank you for all this time. I want to run a few scenes by you that I thought moved me. I love the scene where the van tells Fern, you know, you're better off just selling it when he doesn't realize that this is her home. All the hours she has put into the little details, the door handles, the inside—I thought that was a really powerful scene. You know, somebody trying to put value on something that ha- is priceless. You know what I'm saying? I just—I was really blown away by that, Bob. Your, your take on that?
1: It was very real. I have poured money uh, into a—I had a an F150 uh, four wheel drive that I had just had a wonderful love relationship with and lived in for a long time. And it just, it got, uh, and I poured way too much money in. I did exactly what she was doing. I put a new engine in it. Uh, then I put a new transmission in it and it was just not worth it. And, and it's even it's got a new. And I kept saying, well, now it's got a new engine transmission. I keep forever, but everything, I mean, every part around it just kept failing. And eventually I, um, I I I put it in a junkyard and I cried mm. when I walked away from it in that junkyard and to this day I regret it. To this day, it makes me sad that I did that. Yeah. Um, no, I understand. that really was very very real.
0: Yeah, and you know earlier we mentioned about you know the variety of reasons you know the, the you you mentioned a tent of why people go into RV and van living. Do you see many situations like David uh, Straythern's, uh, Straythern's, um character where people find what they're looking for, where they find whatever void they're trying to fill, if they're trying to fill a void? Does that happen often? Does it, is it a common occurrence? Um, I don't know that it's common, but it, yes, I would say regular. Um,
1: yeah, I have known a number of people like that. And then they continue. You know, like I had a friend, very similar, he, uh, oh, well, actually he was in the movie. Um, he has a speaking role in the movie. And he finally is, uh, came to a place, had seen enough, had traveled enough. And he um, he bought a little home in a little tiny town. They could pay cash for it. And that's where he lives. And yet he still comes out a lot. So he kept his camper. He had a truck and a camper. And he comes out and sees, And we see him every every winter. Uh, so he found a really good balance, and I think that would probably be what happened. What ended up, you know, if David were real, David Strathern was real, that he would end up taking the trips and and maintaining that dual life.
0: You know, and and, and like nomad Land, Bob, you are the real deal. You are you are what you see is what you get. And and, and is there any part of you? I, I know you're you're. This is your life. This is the way. Is there, do you miss any part of having a stationary home, you know, a traditional home, a race ranch, whatever, whatever, what have you, is there any part of you that misses any aspect of that, whether it's a, a recliner or a, I don't know. A, I mean, your backyard is much more beautiful than mine is. And I like mine. You, you have, uh, you have the skyline that, you know, that that's picturesque. Is there anything that you miss from that lifestyle?
1: Well, there are a few uh, few luxuries that I look back on that I with with regret that I don't have. And you mentioned one of them—a recliner. I'm in a van now, and I don't have a recliner, and I would truly love to have a recliner. I also don't have running hot water, which is fine. I don't really mind. But boy, when I get into a house and it has running hot water, I do like that. Uh, <laughs> but I can have those things. It would just mean I'd have to make some changes. In fact, I think I may be making those changes and adding both those things to my line. yeah. uh, I would never live in a house. Mm. Uh, It will be a dire emergency before I will live in a house again.
0: Yeah. And, and the sense of community is very, very powerful. Um, You know, um, the, the scenes I see in the movie and both I've seen other interviews you've done of you outside by a fire pit. I am very jealous of those, you know, that has to be one of the perks. What a, I can't think of a better way to unwind the day than the way you do. I cannot think of a better way. Yeah. Yeah. There are two
1: great things. Every morning when you step out of the rig into some, even if it's mediocre by, you know, by national park standards, you step out of the rig in some what I think is a beautiful place. And then every night when you go to bed uh, and you, you, you tuck the sun or the stars in and the moon in, Uh, it's just, um, that bookend for a day is a, is a really good
0: bookend. And my last thing too, is this Bob, you know, um, Fern makes a comment early on in the movie, you know, Oh, this, you know, she's looking at your videos. Oh, this guy looks like Santa Claus in appearance by the end of the movie. Um, I would say she'd say the same thing, but more that you're giving that you're kind, that you're selfless. So I don't think that's, you know, not so much with appearance but how i i'm just so impressed bob of how you're about other people and i wish the world had more of you bob and i and i'll i will end the the interview by saying this um you know you always talk about how there's no final goodbye so with that being said bob i guess we'll see each other down the road let's plan on it you are one of those
1: lucky people that can travel anywhere Yes,
0: ma'am, I know. And they will sometimes call you nomads.
1: My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No.
0: My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher. It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement. I need work. I like work.
1: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to Badlands Spa. What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did.
0: Hey got to make the hole bigger. The I think Fern's part of an American tradition. Oh! He's going to come right through the glass. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. Mm-hmm. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering.
1: One of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. I've met hundreds of people out here and they don't ever say a final goodbye. They just say, I'll I'll see you down the road. I do, I see them again, and I can be certain in my heart, I'll see you again.